Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Everybody good? Everybody just look at me and go, you're okay. I'm going to catch my breath. You catch your breath. It's going to be a good day. I, uh, I think there's so many great things that have been happening in our church, and you heard some of those from Pastor Aaron over the last few minutes about some things that are to come some things that are coming up in the next few days. But one of the things that just happened is on Friday night, we got together with so many, not all of them could be here, but with so many of what we call our G team. These are the volunteer leaders that really lead throughout our church. They lead in kids ministry and youth ministry. They're group leaders. They lead in guest services. They're a part of our local missions, outreach opportunities, and global missions trips that we take, and so many other things. So I'm sure I've left some of our band and worship media Uh, production guys. I mean, so many different places that people serve throughout our church. And so Friday night, we were able to get together and celebrate and have a little fun and laugh and celebrate some things that God has done in the previous year. This year's not over, but looking back over 2022 already, and then dreaming together about some things for 2023. And so we just, we had a great time. We ate some great food, and it was great because they brought some of it. But man, it was fantastic and just celebrated Christmas together. I don't know what's happening right there. Oh yeah, they were, they, there was a plate on their head and they were having to draw with instructions without looking. Some of them would have been better served just to look at it. I mean, it was, they were some rough pictures, but, uh, but man, we had a really great time. And so here's what I want to do just quickly today. Today, we've kind of tagged today as volunteer appreciation day. So if you serve anywhere in our church, if you are a part of our G team, anywhere in the church, I'm going to ask you to stand real quick, real quick, just stand up, stand up, stand up. Why don't you guys look around and see these folks in a variety? Let's just give them a hand. Corey and I love you so much. We're so thankful for you. And hopefully today you've already connected with the kind of the staff member that leads your team. If not, make sure you go by and see them today. Uh, They want to put something in your hand. But we're just so thankful for uh, for your investment of time and resource, your gifts and talents to use those uh, for the sake of our church family and our community. And we believe the best is yet to come. Uh, Today is a special day. I think you've already heard it. You're going to hear some more at the end, so I I don't want to hit this too hard, but uh, today is our annual legacy offering. We've been talking about it. Hopefully you you knew when you showed up that that was going to happen today, but our legacy offering is something we do every year right here at this Christmas season where we just come together. We look for 100% participation. We're asking everybody to give something. Uh, The amount is not as important as just the participation because it's us as a church family joining together to accomplish more uh, together, but uh, this is not just for ongoing ministry. It's not to fund the current ministry that we do. It's really to help us to do some new things. And so we've got some things you'll hear about a little later in our service what those things are going to be. But we've talked about them, some stuff in the Philippines, and some things that we're doing with Bible translation. And then we have the opportunity to purchase this entire building in just a few months, and uh, and we're positioning ourselves to do that. It's thirty-six thousand square feet. And we're excited for a lot of reasons. One, we love this location. When we came here, we didn't know that we would love it as much. We didn't know we'd want to be here long term. But we're thankful that God brought us to this place. And uh, one of the things that will allow us to do is just to solidify our footprint right here in this community. But the second thing that it will allow us to do is take the money that we currently pay in rent and decrease that to pay our mortgage. We pay more in rent right now than we would pay in a mortgage payment for this building, which would allow us to be able to fund ministry at a higher rate, which is always our heart. And our heart is even as we borrow some money to purchase this building, that God would lay it on the heart of some folks to help us pay it off really, really fast 
I'm connected to a church. Maybe the Lord would move in your heart right now to do this, but I'm connected to a church. Somebody wrote a $6 million check a few months ago and paid off all the debt on their building so that they were able to take all the money they currently pay towards their facilities and just funnel it into ministry and serve people in their community in a greater way. And that's our heart to do that. And so if you want to write that check today, I'll take that. I'll be in the lobby <laughs> right after right after church. But we do have our legacy offering today. And then you heard this over the last few weeks. Lastly, I'll just say this. We want you to be here if you can for Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is December 24th, every single year. But six o'clock, we're going to gather together for a really special night together, celebrating Christmas, the reason for this season. We'll have some candlelight. We'll have some really special moments built into that service. But all we're asking you to do is just reserve a seat. Just go online to our website, to the registrations there. And just reserve a seat. That just helps us make sure we've got enough seats for you and your family to be able to sit together. And then on Christmas Day, what we're going to do is we're going to stream a service for you to watch at home. So it'll be Generations Christmas, Christmas at home. And so we'd love for you to stream that. It'll be on all the various platforms we'll have there so that you can spend some time with your family and just invite us into your homes to spend a few minutes together. So that's what it will look like on December the 25th. So Christmas is one of my favorite seasons. If you really, really kind of made me pick... I, I might, I don't know, it's like neck and neck right there uh, with Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, mostly food, but I love Thanksgiving for a lot of reasons. But family, togetherness, there's a lot of memories in my past related to Thanksgiving. But Christmas is also, I mean, a huge, huge part of my childhood memories and the, the things that we did with our family and we traveled. And so we did a lot of things. We kind of did the around the world thing. We went to one side of the family, then another side of the family. Like we were just traveling a lot and and so there's a lot of memories related to those things, but I remember one specific Christmas as a child. There, there's a lot. There's, a, there's so many that I could remember. I remember one specific Christmas that I had asked for a real, not a fake one, a real football uniform. I mean, I, want, I wanted like a real one, you know? And so I didn't really specifically have a team in mind. I just wanted a helmet and pads and a jersey and pants that you could slide pads into. Like, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Well, my grandfather and my uncles and really kind of by extension, some of my family, they are long-suffering Dallas Cowboy fans. I know, I got a ugh right over here. And so, like, they, they are. I, I don't really know. Like, they, they, they lived in Dallas er, early in their lives and married life and you know, if you're a Dallas fan, you're usually disappointed by this point in the calendar year. And so, but again, not everybody gets that. It's okay. We're, you're going to get with me. You're going to get with me. So, but I want, so they got us, they got us Dallas. And then one of our cousins, I think, got the Cincinnati Bengals because I guess maybe those were on sale. I'm not really sure. And so, so here, here's what we learned real quick, though. We got, the, we got the jersey. We got the helmet. We got the pads. We got the pants with the sliding pad. I mean, it was awesome. Now, they were kind of one size fits all. Okay. So, you know, I didn't really have the football physique. Like, now I look like a lineman. But then I was really, really small. And so, like, I put it on, and it looked like I was wearing my uncle's football uniform. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just kind of hanging and didn't really fit. And the helmet wasn't really padded at all. So it was kind of just like molded plastic with a star on the side. So the first time that my brother and I lined up across from one another and just rammed our head into one another, I don't really remember anything until March of that year. Like, it was... <laughs> It was a few months before it all came clicking again, but we, you know, then we'd hit shoulder pads and the shoulder would step. No, I'm just kidding. So like it was, it was, it was not, but I was so excited on that Christmas Eve into Christmas morning, hoping, just hoping for, expecting, wanting so much this football uniform. I don't know what, what that one thing was for you. 
Maybe there was more than one thing, but maybe there was a, a Christmas when you were a kid, or maybe even now, something that you've, you've really hoped for and wished for and wanted so much as you think about Christmas. But I, I just, all of my Christmas memories come back to those kinds of emotions, those senses of anticipation and expectation and just a wanting something. Not necessarily the wanting of the, of the product or the thing or the, the present necessarily, but it was just the excitement of what could be under that tree. What, what could be wrapped in some of those boxes? As I got a little bit older and, you know, I thought I was a little bit too cool for Christmas, but not really, I figured out where my mom hid our gifts. I don't know if any of you had that experience. So I just kind of snuck in and looked at some of them and, you know, I kind of peeled some wrapping back and then I taped it back and whatever. And I told my best friend, my next door neighbor, and that sorry, good for nothing, told my parents... And so my mom came to me one day, and she didn't, she's a lot like the Holy Spirit in my life. Like, she didn't actually just outright accuse me. She just said enough to make me feel guilty about it. So she was like, what do you think you're getting for Christmas? Well, I knew what I was getting for Christmas. I'd seen him on. I was like, I don't know. She's like, don't you? <laughs> so then you have that, do I hold out here or do I just confess? Which one of these is going to get me less prison time? So I was like... Yeah, I do, I do know a few things. She was like, you know it all. And I'm like, man, I never should have told that, you know? And so she said, here's what we do. If you find the gifts, we take them back. And I'm like, well, I got a really bad memory, though. Like, I don't remember what I saw. But it took away the excitement. It took away the anticipation. It took away so much of what I was hoping for for Christmas because I, I kind of knew what I was getting. Well, today is not necessarily about gifts under the tree. But as we continue in this kind of Christmas at Generations that we started last week with an amazing presentation from our children and students and adults, I really want us to look at some of the lyrics from that great Christmas song, Oh Holy Night. If you're familiar with that song, it's, it's sung so many different times and so many different ways throughout this Christmas season. But there are some specific lyrics that today and again next Sunday I want us to look at because I think it, it really exposes us to so much of the truth of who God is and who God can be in each of our lives but there's one line in that song, and I've actually talked in a totally different setting about this line, but it's this line, the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. I looked up some definitions. The word thrill means a sudden feeling of excitement and pleasure. The word hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So I made up my own definition by putting the thrill of hope together, and I came up with this, a sudden feeling of expectation. A sudden feeling of expectation. And when you start to think about what that could mean and, and how that could be applied in your life, you start thinking about those times in your, in your life where you had that sudden feeling, and that sudden feeling was actually a, a, a feeling of expectation, of, of hope and desire for something that, that wasn't actually happening yet. There was this thrill of hope. So you start thinking about what are some thrills of hope in our life. I mean, Christmas is an easy one. Christmas Eve, our kids still struggle to go to sleep on Christmas Eve. Like they just can't figure out how to close their eyes. And when they close their eyes, they can't figure out how to keep them closed long enough for it to actually be Christmas morning. Like it just, it's a struggle. And I, and I recognize that sometimes I'm, I'm excited on Christmas Eve about the gifts that they will open and I can't get to get to sleep. But the, the Christmas Eve's a challenge, but maybe the thrill of hope as it relates to maybe just anticipating the birth of a child. You think about the night before, the, the night of, or the day of when you are at the hospital and they tell you like, hey, it's, 
It's happening. You're, you're a few minutes away or a few hours away or, hey, before you go to sleep tonight, you're going to have a baby. Like that thrill of hope, that, that sudden expectation of, of holding these children like we were just doing a few minutes ago, holding these children in our hands. And, and maybe there's so many other things. Maybe you heard, you, you got the word at, at your job that, you know, that they're giving out raises and you've got a meeting tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and you're anticipating, there's this thrill. What, what could it be? Is it a promotion? Is it just a bonus? Is it whatever, whatever that might look like in your life? There's this thrill of hope. There's this sense of anticipation for what could be. But I think about this sudden feeling of expectation and I think in so many of our lives, if we're honest, other than those kinds of moments, like the, the routine of our lives keep us from most suddenly moments and really, most of us don't walk through life with a great sense of expectation. We kind of live our lives one moment at a time, one day at a time, one event at a time. And so what happens is we are bogged down in the emotions of dealing with the present or feeling guilty about or processing those things in our past that we are not focused on what could be in our future. And we don't really allow our lives to get interrupted with these suddenlies. But I love the story of Christmas because it helps to challenge us in a really great story that so many of us know. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in the message paraphrase, it says this. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. And suddenly, God's angels stood among them. And God's glory blazed around them. Now, let's just pause for a second and let's take out all of our awareness of this story and all the things we've sung and all the things we've celebrated and just think about how scary and how awesome that would be. Like if you're a shepherd, if this is your routine, if this is how you do life, you're just hanging out in the field, you're kind of moving the sheep from one pasture to another, or you're kind of, and it's like it's nighttime, so you're not going to make it all the way back to the barn, and so you're just kind of, kind of, you're going to do what you always do. You're going to set up camp, and so you've got a way to kind of corral the sheep. And, you know, one or two of the guys are going to, they're going to watch the sheep so nobody gets away. We've got a fire set up. We're all kind of sleeping around on the ground. And so we're about getting ready to go to sleep. And then all of a sudden, the sky lights up. And the glory of God illuminates the sky over you. And if that wasn't cool enough, there's a choir, right? And that choir starts singing. And you don't know if you're dreaming, if you've inhaled the smoke too much. Like, you don't know what, did somebody get you some bad beanie weenies or something a minute ago? Like, what is happening? You're looking at the sky, and all of a sudden it's like, I am terrified. <laughs> but this is awesome. There was this suddenly appearance, suddenly moment, interrupting the routine. And in the midst of that interruption, there were some incredible declarations about good news. And if you don't hear anything else that I say, and I'm going to say a few more things, but if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I think it's important for all of us who are Christ followers to remember this great truth. The gospel is good news. It's good news. If you are a Christ follower, we should be the most hope-filled, joyful people in the world. But unfortunately, not at this church, but other churches, people that I've met, Sometimes Christ followers are like always down in the dumps, always like, and they use the gospel not as good news, but as a weapon. No, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is actually what draws people. It's actually the kindness of the Holy Spirit that draws people to repentance. But the way that we live and the light that we shine of God's love in and through our lives, it, it should be that we are hope-filled. Later in the, in the New Testament, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians, we find out that we, like, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. 
There's something different about us because of where our hope lies. There is good news in the Christmas story. And so these shepherds, they're just kind of hanging out in the field when there was a suddenly moment. This is not the only time in Scripture where suddenly moments happen. I've got four specifically here, but as I started to do a word search this week, a word study, I found a couple hundred places where the word suddenly appears in Scripture, some of them in very similar context to what I'm about to describe to you, but Exodus chapter 3 is one of my favorites. It's the story of Moses. He's out in the wilderness. He's been on the run because he got in a hurry trying to create God's will for his life rather than accept God's will for his life. And so he's out on the run, and he's kind of tending his father-in-law's sheep. And all of the sudden, a bush is on fire, and that bush that's on fire is not being consumed. And so he looks at it, and he decides to walk over to it to see what's happening because this bush is not being consumed in the way that it should be because of how long it's been on fire. And so he sees it. And when he gets there, suddenly the voice of God speaks out of that bush and says, Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And he begins to speak to him and to proclaim purpose over his life and to repurpose and reorient him away from this place that he found himself in because of what he tried to do to get in a hurry. God says, now I want you to go and I want you to set my people free. I just don't, I don't need your ability. I just need your availability. I just need you to say yes to me. And there's an amazing conversation in this suddenly moment of Exodus chapter 3. The next three I find in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Suddenly, as they were gathered together in the upper room, about 120 of one accord, one mind, they were anticipating the, the coming of the Lord in a different way than God actually appeared. But Jesus had told them to go and to tarry and to wait there for his presence, this helper that was coming that he was delivering to them. And suddenly there was a sound like this mighty rushing wind that comes and cloven tongues or split tongues of fire come down. And they fill that room. And the 120 spill out of that room into the streets of the city and they begin to proclaim the good news of the gospel into every known language of the world. And wouldn't you know it, by happenstance, by coincidence, if you believe that, or by the sovereignty of God, every known language in the world was present in the, cities of that street, uh, the streets of that city because of the festival season that they found themselves in. There was this suddenly moment of the appearance of God's power. Acts chapter 9, Saul, who would later be Paul, he's walking down a road headed to Damascus. He's been uh, persecuting believers and persecuting these followers of the way and Believing that he was right in doing so, he's walking down the road towards Damascus and suddenly a great light appears from the heavens and then as he turns his face to the ground because he's blinded by this light, all of the sudden there is now a voice that calls out to him and speaks truth in him and reorients and repurposes his life in that moment because there's a suddenly moment. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison and there's a group of believers, there's like their small groups at the house praying for them to get out of jail. And suddenly in Acts chapter 16, the prison doors are flung wide open and, and their shackles fall off and they're able to walk out. And the people that were praying for them don't even believe that it's them when they show up. You ever been praying so hard for something that when it gets answered, you're not really sure it got answered? That's what happens in Acts chapter 16 because of this suddenly moment where the doors are open to this prison. There are some suddenly things that happen that interrupt the routine when we're walking around on the backside of the desert tending our father-in-law's sheep. When we are sitting in a service, sitting in a church, sitting in a moment where we're anticipating God's power, but we're not really sure what that could look like, suddenly God appears. Acts chapter 9, we're doing our life, we're doing our things, we're th we're, we think we're on mission, on purpose, and God interrupts that to repurpose and reorient our lives towards what could 
be if we find ourselves in jail and in shackles and bound by some things. God can set you free in a suddenly type of moment. It happens all the time, but are we ready for it? Are we willing to receive it? Are we willing to believe that in those moments, that is actually how God works in our lives? These suddenly moments, how would you and I respond if it happened? But in each of those instances, what's collected in Scripture is that when they heard the voice of God, when they saw the demonstration of God's power, they believed it to be God. Why? Well, John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. There's a lot of other names that we'll talk about in just a minute that he actually goes by, he's referred to, he calls himself. But in John chapter 10, he calls himself the good shepherd, and he actually calls us his sheep. And so one of the things that he declares in John chapter 10 is that my sheep will know my voice. And here's what I I believe about me. Maybe this is true of you, maybe it's not, but here's what I know about me. When I am in tune to the voice of God, when I am reading God's word, I've got my mom's Bible up here today. I'm actually, I flipped open to a page. There's her handwriting right there, declaring God's power over fear and anxiety. But I use her Bible. When, I, when I'm reading through God's word and I come to places where I'm, I'm saying, okay, what is it that you might be speaking to me? I am training my ears to the voice of God. When, when, I'm, when I'm not in tune with God's word, when I'm not reading regularly, when I'm not spending time in God's word, not out of like form and function and routine, but when I'm just not doing it or I'm doing it only for routine, when God actually speaks to me, sometimes his voice gets drowned out by all of the other voices that are in my life. There's a lot of other things calling for my attention and filling my mind with thoughts, social media and the news and conversation and relationships and busyness and to-do lists and stress. But when I am in tune with the voice of God, when the good shepherd speaks to me, even in a suddenly moment, I know it. I hear it. My soul resonates to the voice of my Lord. And so the question for all of us today is, am I seeking his voice? Am I reading his word? Am I spending time in relationship with him. You heard earlier in our service, I think Pastor Aaron talked about it, 21 days of prayer. It begins January the 1st. We'll gather here on January the 1st at 10 a.m., one service for holiday service scheduled that day. And so we'll come together, and on that Sunday morning, we will begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Then beginning on Monday morning, January the 2nd, we'll gather every Monday through Friday for three weeks at 6 a.m. right here in the room. We will stream it for those that can't be here. they got to get to school or get to work. But we'll we'll gather together, we'll spend time in prayer, we'll dig into God's word, we'll spend a few moments in worship, we'll pray over needs, but we're going to consecrate those first few weeks of this year, believing that God desires to do something amazing in 2023. We're going to ask God to make his voice plain to us and clear in our hearts and minds and ears, and so we're going to spend those 21 days really seeking his presence and his power in our lives. On Saturday mornings, for those that can't come Monday through Friday, we'll gather from 8 to 9 o'clock. We'll do the same kind of thing. But I encourage you, don't just wait till the 21 days of prayer. Don't just wait to 21 days of fasting there. I encourage you to spend some time now in preparation for what could be and what can happen during those 21 days. As we prepare to hear from God, you can actually hear from God now. One of our desires is that you would know God. Not just know him up here, but to know him in here. To know him on a relational level, an emotional level. We want you to know God. I told you that Jesus called himself the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And I even referenced that there were other names that he went by while he was on the earth. But even before he got to the earth, 
One of the other great passages of the Christmas story is found in the book of Isaiah. I want you to go there with me really quick. We've just got a few minutes left. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9. It's a major prophet of the Old Testament. If you don't know where that's at, use the table of contents. It's your book. You bought it. You use the app. That's fine. Just go right to the table of contents. Isaiah. This is what it says, beginning in verse 6 of Isaiah, chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. One of the things that I love is obviously there's some other names there. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty, uh, he's a Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love that. But if we're talking about the thrill of hope, the sudden sense of expectation, I love that all of the language here in Isaiah chapter 9 is future tense. It's forward-facing. A sudden moment, thrill of hope, expectation. And I can't prove it. I'm not trying to add to the story that we read from Luke chapter 2 of those shepherds. But perhaps one or two of them knew some of these words. They knew the declaration of the prophets, that there was a coming Messiah. And when they heard these words, that there was good news of great joy, that unto them a a, a king was born, a baby was born in the city of David, Christ. Like Maybe, maybe they were able to put those pieces together, but for sure you and I can. Even if they didn't, we can. That the thrill of hope, it was actually set up thousands of years before. This sense of expectation, not that that had already taken place, but that the government would be on his shoulders. That his name shall be, will be, future tense called. That he will rule and reign forever on the throne of David. And you're like, I I don't really know where you're headed with all this. You and I have a really finite understanding of time. Meaning that you and I are here today, in this moment, at 10.27 a.m. in this service, on this Sunday, December the 11th. And the only real point of reference that we have is from this moment backwards. We hope for some things, right? We're talking about that. We're believing for some things. But the only concrete things that we can make reference to are the things now and in the past. But God is not like that. And the song that we sang earlier today in our gathering, he said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. And so when a prophet can declare in Isaiah chapter 9 that his name shall be and he will be and these things will take place, all of those prophecies were fulfilled in the declaration and eventually the birth in Luke chapter 2. And what it does for me is it builds my trust in a God that I'm praying to for the things that I don't know about my future. You don't know. I don't know what tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. We don't know. But if we commit our hearts and lives to Christ, we are now in relationship with what Scripture calls the author and the finisher of our faith, of our story. He's writing our story. And so he has a point of reference in our past, and he has the point of reference for our present, but he also has a point of reference for our future. 
I can have the thrill of hope because I know who that hope is found in. I can have a sense of expectation because it's not an unfounded expectation. It is an expectation grounded in him. So here's the question for you. This is an all skate here. We're all in, okay? Everybody's participating for the next 30 seconds. If you could write the story, and if you were in charge of all the decisions and all the things from this moment forward for the rest of your life, what would that look like? I want you to think right now. What would that look like? What jobs would you do? Where would you live? What relationships would you have? What possessions would you have? What are those things? I'm just going to pause. I'm just listening, just waiting. You're thinking. What does life look like from this moment forward if you were in charge of the story? All right, I don't know if that's been 30 seconds, but we're going to stop. Now, if you believe that God is writing your story, what might the future look like for the rest of your life if God is writing? What might God want to do in and through you? What are the things, what are the relationships that God might want you to have? Where are the places God might want you to go? What does that look like if God is truly in charge and you are giving him the, the ability to be the Lord and the leader and the guide of your life? What could that look like for your future? I'm going to give you about 10 more seconds. What could it look like? Now, here's what I know. If Christmas is about the thrill of hope, if the greatest gift that we've ever been given came to us in the form of a baby, then anything is possible. Nothing is impossible with God. Imagine right now, if nothing's impossible with God, what could be? I've quoted this scripture a lot over the last 12 months. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all <clears throat> generations forever and ever, amen. You're not dreaming big enough. You're not expecting enough. You're not hoping for enough. The God that you are hoping is writing that story, believing that he's writing that story, if that's true for you, he wants to do immeasurably more than you could just imagine. He wants to do immeasurably more than you could even ask him in a prayer. And I make this disclaimer every time. I made it this morning in our huddle with our G team. I am not claiming that he's like your magic genie that grants your wishes. If you heard that, go back and listen to it again. I never said that. But if we are trusting and believing and hoping and expecting in the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what is his track record? to use imperfect people to do amazing things that they don't seem capable of accomplishing, to, to unite and bring together stories and relationships and people that seem to be in different spheres of influence and to just bring their lives together in this amazing sovereign way because he needs them to be united and joined together to accomplish something great. To take a people in lack and to be their provision over and above anything that they could have ever asked for and imagined. 
You're not hoping for enough. You're not dreaming for enough. You're not expecting enough because the story of Christmas is that you and I can have the thrill, the sudden expectation that he is able to do immeasurably more. They thought the plan of God was for them, for him to send them a savior, like a warrior king. And that is a part of the story to come, we believe. But God, in his sovereignty, sent them something completely different and even better. He, he sent them a baby. Like, I just, like, that doesn't breed a lot of confidence when you are an oppressed people. And yet God knew exactly what was needed for his people in that moment. And so this is me wrapping my mind around what is possible with God. We aren't dreaming big enough. We're not expecting enough. And he said it is his power at work within us for his glory. If any of our dreams are for our glory, they are too small. It's for his glory in the church and through Christ Jesus for generations to come. Potentially the prayers that you're praying and the things you're believing and hoping for will last beyond your lifetime. It's the thrill of hope. So when you lay your head on the pillow tonight, it's not actually Christmas Eve. But what if it were in your relationship with God? What might God show up with tomorrow in your life? What is it that you're asking and believing and hoping and expecting for that God might do immeasurably more than those things. It's, it's not by happenstance. It's positioning ourselves and posturing ourselves to say, God, I believe and I trust and I hope in you for your glory and for your honor. But God, I've got a thrill of hope, of expectation. I'm excited. I'm not downtrodden. If there are circumstances, I'm walking through those and processing through those in a healthy way. But the soul of my life is filled with joy because it's found in you. It's filled with hope because it's found in you. We want to be an expectant people. And that's my prayer for you in this Christmas season. That no matter what you're walking through and no matter what you're facing, that your life and mine is one that is filled with the thrill of hope regularly. That the suddenlies of God will come to pass in your life. And when the voice of God and the power of God is demonstrated, when he speaks, you hear it and you know it. And you respond to it and you are filled with great joy and great expectation. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head right where you're at. Nobody's looking around. Just a moment of response between you and the Lord. If you would say, Jeremy, for me, I know that this begins by entering into a relationship with God. I need him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. If that's you today, we want to pray for you. We believe that God can forgive your sins in a moment. That's what his word promises to us when we acknowledge that. We believe that he is our forgiver and our Savior. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And now if you would say right here, Jeremy, for me, I just want to be filled with expectation. I want to dream bigger dreams and believe for bigger things. I want God to do immeasurably more in my life. Not just the things that I want, but the things that he wants for me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. So many of us today, my hand's lifted too. God, I thank you today for who you are. 
and for all that you have done. I thank you, God, that you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And God, I thank you that you can be trusted with our future. And so, God, now I pray for every person that responded today to acknowledge their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And God, I pray that as they've acknowledged that, as you've forgiven them, that they would walk with a confidence that their eternity is now found in you. And so, God, we celebrate that decision today. And God, I pray for every hand that was lifted to to acknowledge that we need to expect some more things and hope for more things and dream more things and believe for greater things. God, the thrill of hope, never let us lose that. Let us expect great things because you are a great God. And God, let us be filled with joy today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.